It is not worth telling this story of mine, at least not worth writing. Told indeed as I have sometimes been called upon to tell it to a circle of intelligent and eager faces lighted up by a good after-dinner fire on a winter's evening with a cold wind rising and wailing outside and all snug and cozy within, it has gone off, though I say it who should not, indifferent well. But it is a venture to do as you would have me. Pen, ink, and paper are cold vehicles for the marvelous, and a reader decidedly a more critical animal than a listener. If, however, you can induce your friends to read it after nightfall and when the fireside talk has run for a while on thrilling tales of shapeless terror, in short, if you will secure me the molia tempera fandi, I will go to my work and say my say with better heart. Well then, these conditions presupposed, I shall waste no more words but tell you simply how it happened. You just heard the opening paragraph of An Account of Some Strange Disturbances in Anger Street by Jay Sheridan Le Fanu, the Irish writer who we will be discussing in the next major episode of The Dark Descent here on It's Del Toro Time. This is going to be a mini episode because our main episode this week is getting pushed back a bit because Willow is just tied up in college and so we're having to take a, a few extra days to get our episodes recorded and that's fine because there's actually plenty to discuss with an account of some strange disturbances in Anger Street and a little bit about Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu, this week's subject. We briefly discussed him, I believe, a long time ago when we talked about the movie Vampire, which was loosely, loosely based on Le Fanu's uh, Carmilla. So we kind of know a little bit about him, but just to brush up, he was an Irish writer who wrote a lot of gothic and detective stories. He's mostly famous for... Carmilla and the House by the Churchyard in his novel Uncle Silas, uh, but also, but I mean, also, truth be told, for just quite a few ghost stories, and he gets a lot of credit for creating the first uh, supernatural detective, the first detective of, of horrors, and sometimes for the first detective, modern detective in general, although that's kind of up, up for questioning, but the guy just, he wrote a lot, um, and What's interesting about Lefanu is there's just not, unlike last last week's author, Hawthorne, Lefanu is a little more of an enigmatic character. Like a lot of the writers we cover, he studied something not intending to be a writer. He studied law, uh, but then became a journalist and then became an author. And that study of law really comes into play in a lot of his in a lot of his books because at the time of his writing in the in the mid nineteenth century in Ireland specifically, there was a lot going on with the corruption of the of the legal system. And the corruption of the legal system in not just Ireland, but in the UK and Europe in general, it was just was not a happy, not a happy place to be a, a criminal. It was not a happy place to be a lawyer. It was not a happy place to be anyone. It was even more corrupt than you can possibly imagine. And there is a tie between the gothic horror that was coming out in the mid-19th century, mid to late 19th century, and the condition of the working class in Europe, specifically in the UK, actually specifically in, in Le Fanu's case, specifically in Ireland, um, there was this sense of the Irish 
in the Irish, I don't know, popular culture, the popular psyche of having been oppressed. And but then when they find themselves in a position of authority, becoming the oppressors, and there is a sense, this push and pull of fighting the system, but also being afraid of becoming part of the system and this sort of internal struggle that that manifests itself in a lot of in a lot of gothic horror where you see a lot of landed gentry you see a lot of uh old old residences you see uh, a lot of conflict between landlords and their tenants and that's something that we that is going to come to play a lot in this week's main episode but it comes into play also in the story i'm looking at today and why am i looking at this story as part of a mini episode well it's because um an account of some strange disturbances in Anger Street is frequently cited as the original version of this week's longer story of Lefanu's novella, Mr. Justice Harbottle, which I kept calling Hardbottle last week. It's Harbottle. And so I decided to take a look at it. I like to kind of look at the origins of these stories. People, the way it's usually cited is he wrote an account of some strange disturbances in Angel Street. It was published. It was relative, you know, it was just a ghost story. And so he he did some reworking of it into the longer Mr. Justice Harbottle. What they don't ever tell you is that he used this original short story as the germ of the idea. And that is it. None of what's in this story is in Justice Harbottle. There is still, there's a judge and there's a there's a ghost and a haunting in a house and a similar situation of death in one case. But that's it. There is, even thematically, it's very different. Uh, narratively, completely different. Uh, its focus is completely different. It's less, it, I would say that Mr. Justice Harbottle is solidly a weird tale. And an account of some strange disturbances in Angel Street, solidly a ghost story just a, a but a solid ghost story and so i'm just want to do a quick rundown of it just so you sort of get the idea it is freely available online it's a, it's a short story but it's a longer short story so i just want to give you a general idea of what it is so that when you listen to mr justice harbottle you'll understand the the, the extreme differences uh, between the two stories so an account of some strange disturbances in angel street and yes i looked up how to pronounce angel street so if i'm still pronouncing it wrong correct me. It's spelled A-U-N-G-I-E-R. So it's not spelled the way it sounds, but all my sources say it's Anger Street, that it rhymes with Danger Street, which, all right. Um, well, as you heard from up top, it's it's um, a gentleman relating this story of something that happened to him. It's a story he's told often, and he doesn't think it's going to work as a down story, but he's he's given it his, his best shot. So it's about him and his cousin, his cousin whose name is Tom, Tom Ludlow. Uh, there are a couple of medical students, and they need a place to live. So Tom's father has like, you know what? I, I own a bunch of buildings. I'll let you guys stay there for free. I own some old houses on Angel Street. You can move into one of them. So they move into this house. It's a beautiful, it's, it was a beautiful house, but now it is kind of falling apart. It's been cared for the way a landlord would care for a home in, in the sense that from if from a distance and if you squint, it looks fine. But when you actually move into it, you realize that the wallpaper is pretty cheap. Uh, stuff has just sort of been covered over a lot of the flaws. The, the floors aren't the best. The walls aren't the best. Uh, it's 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 not it's not working out that great as as far as a house but they're not paying anything for it now this used to belong to uh to the mayor who at one point uh rented out his dwellings for other people and he used to he at one point rented them out to a judge named judge horrocks and that's an important thing to remember so what happens is these two guys the long and short of it it's it's not a short story by the way it's a it's a, it's a hefty short tale it takes you it'll take you a little bit to read it but uh, the long and short of it is these two guys start our narrator and his cousin tom start having really hard time going to sleep at night 
the narrator is disturbed by this vision he keeps having of a, of, a, of, a, of a portrait that hangs above his bed and this evil old man who glares at him out of the portrait. That's important to remember. So uh, his cousin Tom is also having some terrible events going on, but he won't tell him what is happening in his room. At one point, Tom freaks out and says, that's it. I've had enough. I can't live here anymore. I'm going to go away for a week. When I come back, you need to have found us a new place to a new place to live. He takes off and our narrator is left alone in this house. He keeps having these horrible feelings that something's going on, that something's going terribly wrong within the house. There's something just outside of his range of vision that he can't see. And finally, one night, he's woken up by hearing these horrific footsteps in the hallway. And he goes out and he sees a he sees a figure uh, walking down the uh, walking down the hall and he throws something at it. And then, of course, it goes through the figure and he freaks out and he just keeps having these these encounters. Uh, at one point, he has an encounter with like a giant rat that he is sure is a manifestation of something else, of some sort of entity or presence that is is there to haunt him. And so, by the finally, by the end of the week, he's found a new place for the two of them to live. His cousin Tom comes back, and our narrator finally says, "Are you ever going to tell me what it is that you saw that freaked you out so bad?" And Tom says, "Yeah, okay. I had three three things happen. Three horrible things happen to me, and here's what they are in order. First, one night." I woke up and this horrible old man walked through the wall of my room, walked across my room, and he was terrifying. It was so terrifying that I uh, I, I couldn't even stand it. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. I was exhausted. Uh, so I went downstairs to uh, to tell you about it, but you had just had your horrible dream about the painting, so I wasn't going to bother you. Went back up to go to sleep. Next time I woke up, I woke up. This thing, this guy was standing at the foot of my bed just staring at me, just staring at me. It, it, it just not two yards away from the beds from the bedside uh it was it was horrible he was only there for a few seconds um within this like column of vapor appeared where it had been and i could tell that it was still like there even though i couldn't see it anymore and finally i went downstairs and i just stayed downstairs until the morning and and this is something i've been keeping from you but i have not actually had not been sleeping for for any I, i would just sort of zombie walk through the day and then i wouldn't sleep at night so finally i decided to spend the night uh in in your bed one night when you had gone away and but I couldn't because you had locked your bedroom door and so I couldn't get into your room but I was so tired so I went back to my room to go to sleep and when I woke up that thing that guy was sitting in the couch near my fireplace and he turned around and I saw he had a noose around his neck I ran out of the room but then he was in the hall and he had the noose around his neck and he had another loop of the noose that he was going to throw over my head and I freaked out and that was the night that I said I'm leaving this house and never coming back now after he finishes telling his stories the uh, the old housekeeper who is kind of helping them get their stuff together to get out of the house she's like I know exactly what you guys are talking about because she had been listening in on the whole time she's like so there used to be this judge uh, who lived in this house and his name was Judge uh, Horrocks and he hung himself in the house and not only did he hang himself he hung himself with the skipping rope that belonged to his housekeeper's little girl. And not only that, but there's there was rumor that the housekeeper's little girl was actually his daughter. And he wasn't a very cool man in any case, but what happened was his ghost started appearing and first it like tormented the little girl like to her death. And then it just started tormenting anyone who slept in that bedroom. And there's all kinds of, just, I mean, it's been years, it's been decades. So there's all kinds of stories about people who've slept in that room and have just had horrible nights of it. But not just like horrible nights, but like people who have been frightened out of their wits, like literally just frightened to a state of incomprehension and babbling. So we just don't like people to sleep in there anymore. Sorry, sorry that happened to you. So the narrator and his cousin Tom get out of the house. Uh, he says, like, in later years, this uh, quack doctor moved into the house, moved into that room, went nuts, and then burned the whole place down. And that was pretty much it. That's, like, his story. Now, the story is 
Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu telling it. So it is far more than I could possibly have summarized in less than 20 minutes because it is it has a lot of digressions. It has a lot of like little stories within the stories. And there's like a few things like he's, he'll, he'll mention that someone told a story but not tell you what it is. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you what they told me. But trust me, it was bad. And it's one of Le Fanu's little talents is is subtly building a world outside of the world, like building in horrors to his horror stories that are never narrated, but you get the sense that they're there. There's there's always more to this story than he's ever going to let on. And But I just wanted to point out that what this story was about, like what is going on in an account of some strange disturbances in Angel Street, because we're going to be discussing Mr. Justice Harbottle this week, and I wanted you to know that the similarities between the two are negligible at best. I can see where he took the seed of an idea uh, from this story and applied it to Justice Harbottle, but Justice Harbottle, as we will see, is coming from a completely different direction. It has completely different, making a completely different point. In fact, an account of some strange disturbances in Angel Street is more or less uh, just a solid, slick little ghost story. It's not, in fact, it, it even saves to the end the revelation of who the ghost who the ghost is you don't and it's not even it's not even a big shock but it's more it's more about like you're in a cursed room this is a cursed room you it's a good thing you're getting out now i don't know why they weren't warned away from it before but it's a cursed room you need to get out now so that's an account of some strange disturbances in anger street so this week we'll be discussing like i said justice harbottle uh please thank you so much for bearing with us Uh, i wasn't even planning on doing an episode on this i was just going to talk about it a little bit in the main episode but i wanted to put something out i wanted to let you guys know that we're we're not we're not being negligent in our recording we simply are just we're dealing with college we're dealing with a lot of a lot of scheduling stuff and it was easier for me to do this for you guys the those of you who actually listen to the show than to just leave you hanging didn't want to leave you hanging i didn't want to post anything on twitter because nobody reads it so here it is an account of some strange disturbances in angel street little little prelude to joseph sheridan lafanu i'll be talking more about who lafanu was in the actual episode and referring back to this so thanks for listening and i will see you all next time not deep in bear country because that is my other podcast i will see you all when it's the del toro time <laughs>